Well, Ricardo, thanks so much for being on the Scott McKenna podcast. I appreciate you taking some time. First of all, how are you doing today? Good, good. You're catching yeah. us in the middle of uh, the wedding season, so right uh, now it's just... The good old wedding season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chug, chugging along, waiting for, waiting for the... Uh, waiting for the end of it yeah yeah <laughs> nah, just, it's, this is like just, the heat of it in canada like uh, in toronto especially like the weather's getting hot so like yeah every it's just back-to-back madness so yes yeah, so i was just gonna say so you guys are based in in toronto that's where you and do you do all your weddings in canada primarily or are yeah. you u.s as well actually all toronto market just because of wow. uh we don't have a visa so every time like we've ah. been, we've gotten a lot of uh, inquiries for the u.s and it's sad like we'd love to tap into that market shoot a desert wedding a new york wedding something, yeah. but uh no it's just not possible not not at least for us with our movie pro and a million yeah. video cameras and whatnot it's just so yeah before we get started we'd love to just hear a little bit about the story behind outside in studio you are about to be a husband and wife team but you are obviously have been working together for quite a while so give us a little context for those who don't know kind of your story how how you guys started this up and how long has it been going and, and tell us a little bit about that yeah, so we started uh, Outside In when we were in university. We were uh, studying uh, general communications and multimedia uh, bachelor here at Mac. Um, it's a pretty loose uh, program, so we kind of got to specialize in film, which was what we were gravitating towards uh, in our last year. So uh, we had a pretty ambitious uh, short film with everything they tell you not to do for your first uh, <laughs> video or uh, short film, like uh, kids, uh, animal actors, like just big party scenes. We were just, we were always like gunning for, <laughs> for crazy, crazy aspirations. Go so, big or go home. Exactly. Um, yeah. a, a couple of TAs felt bad for us and, and they said to fund the project, uh, why don't you shoot our weddings? They were getting married. Um, so we shot those two weddings um, and then we were fully booked by the next season. Uh, so we kind of like we're like stepped into this and just went right for it and and we actually when, loved when it. was that so when was when was your first wedding 2011 oh, so you haven't even been doing it that long for how good your work is i would have thought it would be even longer than that i mean i'm sure eight years feels a long time in the wedding in the wedding industry <laughs> it does it does <laughs> but um you know what every season has been sort of like a natural progression and stuff i feel like um, we're never very comfortable in our in what we're doing. We're always mm-hmm. pushing ourselves. We're our hardest critics. So I think, although we've been doing it for long, I feel like every season we're just it's like our first one, and we're like we're gonna do this this year. We're gonna do this better. We're gonna yeah yeah. yeah. So so I want to dive right into that because I think that that's a piece a lot of people need to realize is is how you balance kind of the idea that in this day and age with YouTube and all these different wedding film groups and all these places, I think it's easy to get in like this this comparison trap mentality and feeling like naturally you're going to be your own biggest critic and it's good to always strive for big things and all that. But how do you fight the balance of trying to improve what you're doing and, and not just copying people that you obviously look up to? Because I think it's important to have like like your own original, what makes, you know, your company unique to, there's so many wedding filmmakers out there. And, and I feel like so many wedding films are starting to be similar Oh, for and sure. that's obviously not great. So how do you kind of, how have you balanced that as your, uh, you know, you're probably obviously looked up to now as more of one of the much better ones for sure, the best, but how do you fight that? You always look at other filmmakers and other videos and you're like, wow, that's killer. Like you're always, there's always, I think, especially in any creative 
um, feel a bit of um, second guessing and whatnot. There's always mm -hmm. uh, things that other people do better. There's always elements from other films that are better than than what you think you're doing. But I think for us, it's always been, we know what we do well. We're very story-centered. We mm -hmm. kind of like to ignore trends, which I think is what dictates most of when films start to look the same. It's True. because um, maybe everyone, like when we started out in 2011, um, everyone was using sliders and everything was just slide into the ring, slide into the dress, <laughs> slide like as makeup is happening. And for us, sliders were always kind of hard to set up and they required a lot of setup. For us, we always went for quantity of shots, having a wider close-up, another close-up, adding some movement with a monopod. Um, so for us, it's always been about what uh, drives our style, what allows us to get what we need to get, and then kind of allowing some of those trends to fall within our work and seeing what other people are used to. But we've always been very, I mean, it's just the two of us. Um, so we're very kind of closed off here in our bubble. And we like yeah. to just uh, better what we're doing, work on what we're doing, work on our style, developing that style. Yeah. Um, and not listen, not not be dictated too much by what's going on out there. We There's yeah. a lot of filmmakers that we appreciate their style and we're like, wow, that's awesome. But we don't shoot in Iceland, and like I said, we don't shoot in yeah. like deserts and stuff like that. So like we gotta make do with with doing what we do well. So yeah, I think when you stick true to who you who you actually are, what you actually want to be, it's easier to enjoy it. Because when you get in this, when you get in a copycat mentality, well, it becomes really hard to ever do anything different unless who you're copying changes their style and like and then you're constantly just trying to change with like you said the trends exactly and it probably can get pretty old pretty fast because you kind of are just well you're never really doing anything how you necessarily want you're just doing it how other people have told you to to do it and i think naturally when you start it that can happen because you, when you first start you have to learn from people so that that makes sense but still once you kind of get past understanding how things work it's important to definitely find your own voice exactly and for us it's always um i mean when we started out it was like just still motion that was really doing like amazing creative things at least here in canada that's what we were seeing and that really drove us to um i think like the first couple of those ta weddings that we shot in 2011 um they were very much driven by what you usually see, like couple kissing all over the video, the mm -hmm. rings, weddings. But I think uh, once we started really focusing on story, um, on narrative, developing something that says something about the couple, something about the day and isn't just your cookie cutter wedding film, that's when we started yeah. really making, like focusing on the important things and, and, yeah. and working towards that in each film. So. Yeah, and that's, you know, why I really wanted to have you on and hear, you know, a little bit more about your thought process. I think you guys just do an outstanding, outstanding job with your storytelling. Um, all the films that I see just obviously are so heavy narrative. Some of them I've seen that are actually looks like it was filmed an entirely different day just for certain pieces of the story, which I think are super unique, really, really cool. Um, obviously, a lot of work goes into that. A lot of time goes into that. A lot of extra time goes into it. But what's kind of your thought of, number one, why... Like, why is that so important from your perspective to obviously tell? It seems pretty simple that why would it be important to tell their story of their wedding? But I feel like a lot of cinematographers forget, like, that that's actually the most important is telling their story. It's not just producing great drone shots. <laughs> yeah. So I think for us, it's uh, like I said, we're our own hardest critics. And um, I think we're always pushing ourselves to make something great. Like, 
out of, I think we take 20, 20 weddings at most that uh, we took this year. Um, so we really want to give each of those 20 films our all. And we also want to make sure that each one of them is separate. We really are different. Um, we really just don't, we don't want to be pumping out content. We don't want to be creating the same format film over and over. Um, it's a pressure that definitely drives our work. It's something yeah. that drives us a little crazy. Like when you're spent two hours on just like maybe a 10 second montage within the film. <laughs> yeah. But I think for us, it's very important to, it keeps us inspired and going and uh, we couldn't do it if we were just like working eight hours to put together like or yeah. whatever kind of music video. So for us, we really focus on finding uh, like the best narrative. Um, I think a lot of speeches, a lot of uh, those tidbits that are said during weddings are, there's a lot of what we call filler uh, speeches, which is, yeah. uh, doesn't the bride look beautiful? Uh, doesn't, isn't this a great day? Things that don't carry a lot of narrative wealth. So for us, we skip right through that stuff and go to the heart of the speech, the heart of the vows. Um, we cut a lot like it's not all this perfect speech that was said that it, yeah, like, yeah drives the story perfectly we do a lot of cutting uh that's why we shoot two angles on everything three if we can mm -hmm. um but it just we just want to make sure we have the best narrative and that the visuals are informed by that so um i think one of the most uh our most intensive package includes what we call our portrait shoot which is what you mentioned um we go with the couple that's secondary like a different day exactly yeah so yeah. we a lot of our our most intensive package includes that, and because we're in the luxury market, we have a lot of couples that just go for that. They're like, "All right, let's uh, we'll take your highest package, and that's it." Yeah. But I think some of sometimes we best just that's the best kind of couple. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes we've just been crazy. Like I think uh, the mo the craziest that we've ever the craziest thing we've ever done for story is we gave. Um, we gave a couple, I think you've probably seen this on our website, the, the film with the plane where the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, the groom proposed on a plane. He drove the plane. Um, so the, everything on the wedding, they referenced this plane, how they, everybody goes on it, how they love it. Um, the bride speech referenced the plane story, how the proposal went down. But they didn't want to go on the plane before the wedding day. They never wanted, they didn't want the whole film to be about the plane until after the wedding. We were like, guys, your story is the plane, unfortunately. Like, the story yeah. will feel empty without shooting a portrait shoot of you guys taking the plane for a ride. Um, so we waited like a couple months until their schedules freed up just to shoot that tidbit that would go in the front of the film to kind of inform the rest of the narrative. And yeah, so I think like it's little things like that 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 really drive what we do and, and I think set our films apart in the end and yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I think I think one of the first films I saw or that I came across at the time when I came across it was maybe was it Casey and Blake maybe. I think it was the, the hockey player. Right, right. Or, yeah. I, I forget. But I remember right away I, I caught, you know, this clearly wasn't shot on the wedding day. And I thought that was such a cool, cool thing. And I think a lot of people you know, don't necessarily get that opportunity to do it. If you're not, you know, if you're not in a luxury type of market or you're not at the price point where you can afford to take another whole day, that's obviously very hard to do. But I think it's such a cool, cool thing. What What does that kind of day look like for you guys in terms of when you when you have a couple with, you know, just your own time to work on different things? Are you, try, are you trying to craft those stories for them? Or are you kind of just saying, you know, in, act like you're out on a date and we're just going to see what comes up? Or how do you guys work through that kind of thing? 
Well, it's, the process has changed a little bit over the years. And to touch a little bit on what you were saying about uh, it becomes easier when you were in the luxury market, I think we always knew we wanted to do this outside of the wedding day element and yeah. to be completely transparent. Uh, like five or six years ago, um, when we weren't in the luxury market, we were doing them for free. Like if a couple awesome gave yeah. us something that inspired us in the emails or interviews or a meeting, um, we would say, guys, we totally want to shoot you doing this. Like we had a, a, a groom who was a chef and they were making these uh, barbecue sauce takeaways for their guests. And we shot them actually making that in their backyard. So we thought that was a great element to include in the, the film. So yeah, it was so little cool. things like that that we were um, always drawn to doing. Um, but how one of those portrait, sh portrait shoots look Um it's really different. It depends on the activity we're doing. Uh, I guess the most, um, the longer ones would be those uh, Muskoka cottage type shoots where we just yeah, go yeah. up there for like eight hours and we tell them, pretend we're not here. Um, yeah. We usually warn them that we'll want to do some activities um, and usually that involves a boat, uh, maybe some wakeboarding and whatnot. Um, yeah. But we've actually had a few NHL players who have just kind of copied that format. I think is our first one, Corey Perry, was... Um, he was like a, a legend. Um, he played on the Olympic team and whatnot. Um, so a lot of the NHL guys look up to him and they've kind of been doing Muskoka shoots and boats and yeah. whatnot and like maybe even the same venue sometimes. So it's kind of funny to see that happen. That's cool. So go back because I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are fairly new into weddings. Some are a little bit more established, but you know, the question I think a lot of people get in that they try, you know, sometimes can have a, a difficulty in is when you feel like you're starting to deliver a good enough product that you or good enough film that you are ready to raise prices, you're ready to hopefully everyone always is like, oh, I'd eventually love to be like in the luxury market because everyone just thinks that the luxury market just means more money. They also don't realize it means there's a lot of additional pressure as well. But, you know, we're not I wouldn't consider us in the luxury market per se. Um, we're more in the middle range to middle high who knows depends on but how do people how, what suggestions do you have to people to when they're in that spot where they feel like they're delivering good enough product that they can raise it but they're kind of scared to decide how to go about that how do you start to break into a newer market like a newer let's say a newer price price point not even necessarily market are there things that you suggest to do or not to do that can help people who are looking to do that for sure. I mean, for us, it's always been about putting the work out there that we want to be creating. Um, so our website, even to this day, is constantly changing. We're changing the order of the films, putting up new ones. Um, like I said, we're always driving ourselves to create better content. Regardless, like we never, we'll never feel comfortable. We could be yeah. like we could do Leonardo DiCaprio's wedding tomorrow, and yeah. I still like wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, I think it's always putting out the image, creating the image online, because that's the most important thing. Your couples, planners, yeah. photographers are going to be looking at your work, your website. So for us, even when we started out and we had maybe one video in our portfolio, we had like the coolest website. <laughs> like we were yeah. putting all our efforts into making sure. Yeah, that's sure. what people see. It's important. For sure. And um, I think for us, yeah, definitely um, keep making excellent content, keep pushing yourself to create better content, constantly update your content and all your profiles and uh, your website and whatnot. Um, and uh, in everything we do, we really just like our brand informs 
absolutely everything we do, whether it's one photo on Instagram, whether it's our entire website, whether it's how we dress and look on the wedding day. Um, planners and photographers are very important uh, to us just yeah. because uh, that's where a lot of uh, inquiries come from. So we make sure that we work well with uh, photographers, um, mm -hmm. planners, uh, that we're collaborating to make a, a film in the end, because in the end you are working with everybody on the wedding day from florists to planners to photographers yeah. to make an excellent product. hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm the, I, I talk all the time about just the importance of relationships with vendors are because as a videographer, you're usually one of the last things booked and I look, or and maybe not necessarily in your case, but I mean the, probably the average for most people is that they're their last ones booked. I look at that as like a huge pro because you, you are essentially 100% referral based to a point and I love that because I like building the relationships with the with the vendors because I'd rather work with people that refer us as well because it makes the whole day a better experience but but going back for a second to how you said obviously your brand needs to be represented when you're obviously making that shift from let's just say let's just say a very average wedding when you first start out or or even more of less than average wedding because when you start you have to start somewhere how, how do you get selective on because we talked about this adventure workshop a little bit too a couple of the other filmmakers there of picking and choosing what's what's representing your brand and and more importantly how you navigate that with your couples how do you how do you selectively put out just certain certain films on your website or your instagram without offending the couples that are waiting for theirs to show up i would love to hear your thoughts on that because you can't if i'm correct you can't, you don't put out every single film on your website. Every, every film that we create is going to be within our, our brand guidelines. It's going to be in right. our style. It's going to tell a story. It's going to be beautiful. Um, there are, unfortunately, some stories that overlap on maybe another story that you've told that is very similar, same venue. Like I said, we work in Toronto, so that gets hard. Um, yeah. Like, you overlap a lot. Yeah. Um, also, maybe not all the narrative elements came together because we're not in control of what speeches are said and whatnot. Yep. Um, so we always do put together a blog post for a couple, whether that's one that doesn't live on our portfolio. Um, but they always do get that nice write-up from us. They get it on our website. It's not like a private link on Vimeo or anything like that. Um, it's totally mm -hmm. public for them to share with friends and family. It just doesn't make it into our our portfolio or our... have you ever had a couple ask you about that at all it's something because some of our blog posts are pretty descriptive and beautiful and have all these images we yeah it's never been followed up after the fact that <laughs> hey we didn't make it onto the blog but it is something that sometimes in meetings like a couple will be like i can't wait to see what you write about us or can't wait to yeah. see my blog posts and at that point, you can't really even, you yeah. don't know what you're, whether it's going to be yeah. there or not. So Yeah, because I know it can just be tricky because it's like it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the films that don't make your website aren't ones that you're proud of. No, it's no. just sometimes it doesn't make sense. But I think that, that can be really – that can be, I think, the hardest when you're, fir when you're going from like your first 10 films to what you now are hoping the next films are because, yeah, if you're looking to do center, center city weddings, well, you don't want to show ones that are out in – the middle of nowhere because that doesn't really represent what you're trying to get to exactly but it becomes hard because you're internally like well i don't you know i don't want to offend people but like you said you're working that's what i think is so hard about the wedding film industry is you're working with like actors you didn't choose scripts you didn't write locations you didn't pick and then expected to produce the same film that they fell in love with that might have been the best 
the best of all those things combined at just on that day. And they're like, I want that film. And you're like, okay, well, I can't guarantee that. And, you, and <laughs> for us, really, it's there's not only so much I can control. We're not photo where like if you get one image from the wedding yeah. day, it's amazing. And there's been yeah. films that we've like that haven't made it just because one, maybe the reception wasn't there and the rest of the day is amazing. And you're just like so close. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that that can definitely be that can definitely be tough. So you're in year eight, eight, or this is your ninth year now, eighth year now. So you guys do weddings strictly, right? No, do you do anything else? Yeah, we do some commercial. Uh, in the past couple of years, we've actually pushed ourselves more towards the commercial side, and now we're mm-hmm. actually gearing away and coming back to weddings and more education and. And whatnot. So we're starting to focus up on that and just becoming solely weddings because uh, we did the commercial thing. But I think at the end of the day, I think everybody gets into weddings and they do it for maybe five years and then they maybe it starts to get repetitive and you're like, I can definitely do something else. I can do commercial yeah, yeah. lifestyle and whatnot. And once you start doing commercial and you have a lot of people, like a lot of different voices and, and, people informing what that video looks like, you realize the creative freedom you have uh, when you're putting out your own work and working in weddings. And when you're in charge of of telling the couple maybe what to do, how to pose and whatnot, yeah. like I really, I love that aspect of it. I like uh, creating something for ourselves. And I think that's why we're coming back to focusing on weddings. And I think that's really cool. And I think what I'd love to hear from your perspective is just kind of how I feel like I do, like you said, I see people that do it for almost every single filmmaker I know, whether they're in weddings or not now, they all started in weddings, like at one point or another. And some do it for a long time. Some move away from it. We're kind of moving more away from it as an overall multiple companies, but not not stopping the weddings, but just multiple companies in that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts of just how you how you kind of keep the 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 drive, the excitement for it, because it can be, it can be the same feeling over and over. And I think mind, your mindset plays a big factor into that, like whether or not it feels that way or not. How have you guys dealt with having the love so much so that when you left, you wanted to actually come back <laughs> into yeah. it? I mean, um, we, love, we love filming. We love creating. Um, I, I think we get excited about probably everything we work on. Uh, so when we started, we actually worked with uh, Majuri for a long time, which is a... a online uh, jewelry company based here in Toronto who grew very quickly. Um, So we've done things for them like product shots, um, creative shoots and whatnot. So when that started, um, we were like very excited. We're loving it. But then you kind of fall into the same, like you're just doing the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for us, it's always about moving parts. We like to keep things moving. We like to be on our toes, on our feet. Um, And I think... uh, there's nothing better than weddings for that. That keeps you on your feet like the whole yeah. time. Like um, it is lugging the equipment around hard. I think that's probably the hardest thing for us, like uh, dealing with equipment. But we love uh, weddings and we love uh, uh, shooting things like that are different. We're at a different office every Saturday. Um, yeah. We are creating things with couples who are very excited um, to shoot with us and to create one of our films together. So um if we had different couples, if we um, were in a different market, maybe it'd be a different story. Um, but for now, we really, we really love it. Um, That's really cool. And like I said, we're coming awesome. back to it and just 
instead of going commercial, we're kind of closing the commercial side off and, and focusing on starting education, teaching people how cool. we do what we do, how we craft yeah. our narratives and how we color grade, which is what everybody like we'll post yeah, we'll yeah. post the video about what our travel bag kit looks like and people will be like cool but how do you color grade <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay so let's talk for a little bit about you and victoria usually when any whether it's a couple whether it's just another another person you're working with everyone has like their own this is my thing. This is my thing. What What are the differences between you and Victoria in terms of who like who does the editing more? Is it kind of split? Who does the coloring? Someone care about? Usually, one person loves all the gear stuff. The other person's like, I don't care. Just give me a camera. What? T- tell me a little bit about the differences between you guys. Yeah. So I think I've always been the the gear centered one for sure, one hundred percent. Like. Um, I don't know if, if Victoria can name everything that we have in our <laughs> yeah. case even, um, but I, she cares a lot about um, how the stories come together, how the couple looks. She notices things because, um, especially when we do some commercial projects where I'm very much like focused, peaking, exposure, blah, 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 she'll yeah. notice like this one strand of hair is yeah. not where it should be. So I think our, we each have different strengths. She's a lot more... Um, She's also a lot more secure in, what, in the decisions we make creatively. Like she, if we're putting together a story, I'll be like this or this, this or this. I don't know. I can't make up my mind. And she's yep. like this 100%. Um, but in terms of workload, we both edit. Um, we both put together highlights. We both put together the longer edits. Um, I, I do the color grading. Um, and then she'll, so if I do, if I work on a highlight and I do the color grading, she'll kind of adapt that to the feature and the ceremony edits and whatnot. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty evenly split. Um, but yeah, I'm the gearhead. I'm the one that keeps putting bigger and bigger cameras into our case. (laughs) So let's, everyone would be mad if I never talked gear about, I try to make the story more important than the gear, but everyone always wants to know, what do you shoot with? What are you doing? What are, what's talk me through some of the gear that you're using right now? Yeah. So, um, our go-to camera for the past couple of years has been the C200, um, it's a, and is it, do you have three of those? No. So we're still shooting primarily C100 Mark II. Um, okay. we haven't needed to, we don't deliver in 4k. Yeah. Um, and we honestly, not even the raw or anything, we got a C200 basically because of the, um, you can move your focus point frame around yeah. as silly as that is like <laughs> the C100s is glued like in the middle of the frame there. So that was huge for us. And the face detection was huge. And this year we've actually been shooting, um, the sunset shoots and maybe first dances in raw. And that has been incredible. Like it's just really a beautiful image. So, um, we so, sh- C- so you've been liking, you've been liking the C200. Yeah. Yeah. C200 has been great. Uh, we still shoot on, do C1. you shoot in 4k on C200, not delivering it? Yeah. So we shoot 4k, okay. but don't deliver. We still deliver yeah. 1080, uh, C100 Mark II still like as much as I love the C200 technically, there's something about the color in the C100 Mark II that, I don't know. The C100 Mark One didn't have it. It was almost there, but the Mark II, I just, I know that image inside out. I know, like, huh. when I look at, like, just the raw footage coming out of it, not raw, but, like, the yeah, uncolored, yeah. ungraded yeah. file, I know exactly what to do to it and how I can make it look. So, love that. Uh, love that. And camera. are you shooting what, what type of profiles and things are you shooting without giving away any of your insider secrets? What are you shooting really flat profiles, like log profiles, or are you just shooting? straight out of camera as good as it possibly can look 
Uh, so we shoot straight at a camera wide DR, no fancy okay. C log or anything like that. Yeah. Just wide DR, and we white balance and exposure just has to be like on point. And we've gotten very good at just uh, in different settings, looking at our LCD and knowing like, okay, this is right, this is wrong. Yeah. Like, um, exposing for your highlights is the biggest thing as well. Mm -hmm. You overexpose, and that image is is pretty much done. So. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of always been the same way. Like we we, we shoot all GH fives, and, and by no means do I think we're like the color experts or whatever. But I've always just been a fan of trying to shoot things as naturally as possible out of camera and making them look great. Get your exposure, and get your white balance set, and then just doing some grade and over top. It should just make the image if it looks good out of camera. Like I've never really been a person that shoots a lot of log stuff at all. I know. I it's know. just I, I don't know. Like I know I know there's definitely a pros and cons of it, but I've just always felt like, and especially with some of the Canon stuff, it's and even what we we like at the GH5. There's just something about sometimes don't don't fix what's not broken i've never <laughs> and everybody thinks we're we're shooting log and and that we have some secret c log profile that, uh -huh. that works magic and not at all ydr has always been good i think uh if you have because you're not shooting it's not like you're shooting log raw you're shooting just like a a very flat image. Right. like it's not like you're it's gonna magically enhance your footage in any way the same yeah. information is pretty much there it's just a different curve so for us it's if we can get it to look good on the lcd we know that we it's gonna look good in the final film like yeah. we just gotta push it and, and make it make it our own so yeah. yeah so let's talk lenses what what are your what are your go-to's during the day uh, so we have the, like all the Canon primes, which is like mm -hmm. very, it's a hard decision <laughs> to make. I always see your lay flats. You guys are, you guys always have, yeah. have everything and you're always, and you look like you're like me, which is obsessed with like keeping things clean and keeping things like every, all your lay flats. <laughs> oh man. Fridays around here is just like, everything is laid out flat and I'm just like going at everything with a blow <laughs> dust, so dust blower and just like cleaning everything. I'm pretty crazy about that but it comes from a place of um i think like our second season um we had a uh a dirty sensor once that just like was held to get out of a film uh, and then another time a dead pixel that we didn't notice all day so like i auto black balance i clean the sensor every friday i clean all the lenses and make sure everything is is spot clean and, and good to go um, that's crazy so if you had to use if you so what are like your go-to because i know me i shoot like 85 percent of the day with one with one lens and then i switch a couple other times what are your favorites uh 24 millimeter i could shoot a whole uh i could shoot a whole wedding on the 24 so 1.4 and see and those are both cropped you're you're so you're like 35 ish exactly yeah 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 i think it's 34 nice. or something weird but yeah yeah um so yeah 24l is my like hands down favorite lens on the gimbal hmm. is perfect um i i actually really enjoy um the distortion of going up close with it as well um so i think hmm. like i can step back in my wides i can go in and shoot like very close up uh like get some really nice movement in there um victoria loves the 35l that's her go-to lens so it's like good when we're shooting we always shoot preps together um we yeah. shoot everything together and make sure that we have all the angles to cut with and whatnot interesting we, so on a wedding day you guys shoot all preps together simultaneously yeah over the past three years we've actually 
And then this came from actually a, a studio in Toronto, a photography studio who refuses to split up. And whenever we worked with them, like we had to like get the groom ready together and get the bride ready together. Yeah. And we were like, this is really nice. So we started, we made huh. that decision and it allows us to make sure that A, we don't miss anything if I'm like doing something, changing a lens or anything. Um, but also that you have a lot of more, a lot more footage and you can create a very dynamic sequences of, of like getting ready, the tie going on and whatnot. So what do you do when they're in different locations that aren't right next door? You just have to schedule with them. Yeah. Yeah. To, like to this, wait for the, interesting. interesting. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we actually had a groom who was getting ready in Toronto. Brad was getting ready 50 minutes away in Ancaster and we went to his place first. He got ready, put his suit on. We mic'd him up for the rest of the day. Cause days. I guess he can take it off. Like if you, if you really didn't want to keep it on. Cause once you leave, you don't, you're not going back to that prep. No, no. So, uh, when, whenever it's something that drastic, we'll, uh, we won't mic them until say the first look or ceremony so that they can take off their shirts and, and whatnot. <laughs> so yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. Then let's let's talk a little bit about other other gear. So, um, you said you use what are you what gimbal are you using these days? Uh, we're using the Movi Pro. Um, okay, and it's killing my back. N nice, as I say, nice, nice small little rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, we sh used to shoot on the Movi. I'm I'm starting to real like I want to push us us to use smaller stuff. So we picked up the EOS R this year. And I'm kind of mm -hmm. getting used to it. I'm not a big fan of, of the colors and whatnot, but I'm I'm starting to push us to like if there's a pro EOSR and I can get the image somewhere good, I think I yeah. would trade in our C100s for that and keep the C200 on the gimbal and whatnot. But yeah, I want to have one of those. I really like it. I mean, I, I use it literally only for YouTube stuff, but I've actually been very impressed with the camera for being for being what I think is a little overpriced for what they're charging for it, but it, it's a good, it's a good camera. It's, yeah, I think a lot of people had don't a, give it credit. If it had dual card slots, I think I'd be working a lot harder to, to replace yeah. our whole setup. But uh, I think what I'm starting to realize is, so we used to shoot on the Movi M5 and I would battle that gimbal every weekend, uh, balancing it with the C100 <laughs> and all the cables that we have going off of it. And I'd be like, this is horrible. So we upgraded to the Movi Pro. <laughs> And I'm battling the balance like every week. Like, it doesn't matter. So I'm like, I even after this past weekend, I shot on the Movi Pro like all day. I think I had to have been on there for like three hours on and off. Oh and I was like, I, I need to look at the Ronin S now <laughs> and see if I can put a C200 on it. <laughs> but and, I think. Uh, have you always been on gimbals? Were you ever using glide cams and stuff before gimbals were what they are? Yeah, so we used to shoot on the Glidecam 4000 and before I really got comfortable with it, the M5 was announced. So the as soon as we picked up a, a Glidecam, uh, we, that Vince Lafre video with the Movi, the M10 now, I guess, um, yeah. going through hoops and whatnot came out and I was like, holy, like the game's changed. <laughs> And then I saw the price and I was like, okay, this is a little much for now. <laughs> and then the M5 was announced and we picked that, like we pre-ordered it. It came, I took the top bar off, mounted a C100 on it, made a video on how to mount a C100 on an M5. And then like been using, like I haven't turned back from gimbals. And I see amazing stuff people are creating with, with glide cams and just, I, I, I'm gonna be honest, I, I'm a, I couldn't do it. I couldn't uh, figure it out. And I did. Yeah. I couldn't crack it before I moved on. So. And what? Um. Final Cut Premiere. Premiere. Da Vinci Premiere. Yeah, yeah. Have you always been on Premiere? 
I was the biggest Final Cut Seven uh, person. At so the you Univers- went Final Cut Seven to premiere. Yeah, and University I was the only one that used Final Cut Seven. It was kind of pushing all my friends to switch over, and then the whole Final Cut debacle happened. And <laughs> I hear it's great now. I actually. I've been meaning to switch over because uh, Premiere doesn't have a uh, color management, which is hell on MacBook Pros uh, with the wide gamut display. So yeah, yeah. All right. So last thing I want to touch on because you're well, you're not husband and wife team yet. You're about to be, but you kind of still, I'm sure, have the same unique dynamics. Tips you can give to people because I think a lot of people do start with like husband and wife or someone because number one, it's way cheaper. <laughs> <You don't have> to, <laughs> but what are some tips you can give for husband and wife? teams that how you can work better with someone that is you know that kind of relationship with you it's different than just having an employee yeah for sure i think um we're like unique because i mean victoria and i can't get enough of each other we live in like 500 square feet we work in 500 square feet like uh um we've always worked together before this we were working at starbucks together the university bookstore so really when i say like Uh, we can't get enough of each other we actually can't Um, but having said that, it's just about, um, I think embracing each other's strengths. Like I said, uh, what I'm, uh, strong, my strengths are not her strengths and my weaknesses are definitely her strengths. Uh, um, so I think for sure, embrace each other's strengths, give each other, um, the creative space that you need, uh, the creative freedom to create. Vic makes different types of edits than I do. Um, so I think it's, it's usually, it's fun to see like, the same wedding from a different perspective and whatnot. Yeah. Also, um, and I totally don't do this. I'm the worst for this, but I'd say definitely shut off work and, and, and have fun. And, and we definitely do that. Like Sunday, Monday, which is our weekend. We like have fun. We just, it's a party the whole time. So that's awesome. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys do for fun? What's fun at, I mean, we, we love eating. Uh, we love going to coffee shops. Um, uh, we, we actually love to be at home as well. So just even like watching movies, uh, throwing on a vinyl record, uh, enjoying our patio. Um, yeah, we, we're very low key, but like I said, we love to be together. So as long as we can shut off work for maybe two days and enjoy each other's company, that's not about this couple wants this or this email just came in. It's good. It's balanced. That's cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking some time. I know this is wedding season. You probably got to get back to edits and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think you guys are doing outstanding work. Keep it up and definitely appreciate you grabbing some time. And if anyone can follow you, I mean, I'll obviously put all this in the show links as well. But is there any specific places you'd love for people to connect with you on for those that are not already? Yeah, Instagram is our main uh, go-to social platform, and we're starting to focus a lot more on YouTube as well, um, mm-hmm. creating when we can, especially with yeah. this crazy schedule right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, yeah, those are our go-to profiles right now, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes, and appreciate you taking some time. Enjoy the rest of your wedding season, and we'll, we'll try to catch back up maybe sometime down the road here. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. on the podcast. All see right. Ya. See ya. Bye.